Genesis 28, beginning at verse 10. This is God's holy and infallible word. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, although the city used to be called Luz. And then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. It's God's word for us this morning. If you ever went to Sunday school, you've heard of Jacob's ladder before. If you stop to think about it, this dream that Jacob had, this is one of the most amazing things that happened to anybody in all the Bible. A stairway going from heaven to earth. God's angels ascending and descending. And then the Lord Himself stood at the top of this stairway and spoke these incredible promises. This is just amazing. And at the end of it, Jacob wakes up and he declares, this is none other than the house of God. And and so he has this recognition that God was present there in a special way. God was present, and we know as we've been moving forward from Abel to Noah to Abraham that God was active in his presence, gathering a people, building for himself a household of faith. Jacob set up with that stone he slept on a pillar And he called it Bethel. And that's why you see that, you've seen that name Bethel around a lot, churches and so forth. Bethel means house of God. This text is about Jacob, it's about Jacob's ladder, but it's especially about God's house. And this dream gives us a vision of the house that God was building back then. And the house that he continues to build today. What about this house that God builds? Well, we see first that 
the house God builds is based on a divine blueprint. What's been going on as we've traced the lives of these heroes of the faith, what's been going on has all been part of God's plan. He's building the Old Testament church. He's gathering his people. God made the promise to Jacob's grandpa Abraham that his descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky. And then Abraham and Sarah had just just the one child of the promise, Isaac. And then Isaac and Rebekah had only the twins, Jacob and Esau. Kind of a a small family so far. Not quite like the sands of the seashore and the stars in the sky. But as the story goes on, we'll see that with Jacob, bam, the promise is going to start to explode. He's going to have 12 sons. And from those 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel would be established. And out of them, Jesus would be born. After the fall, God promised that he would deal with sin through the woman's seed crushing the serpent's head. Well, Jesus would be the great son of the woman, the child of the promise, and he'd come out of the line of Jacob. He'd come out of what God is doing here. God is following his eternal blueprint to draw people to himself and to glorify himself through his Son. This great work of salvation, it could only be of God. It could only be accomplished through his sovereign initiative because we cannot get ourselves out of the mess of sin and death. God's initiative is made very obvious in our text because God comes when Jacob is sleeping of all things. Jacob was a pretty active guy. Every other time we read about him, and that's in a bunch of chapters in Genesis, chapters 27 through 33, every other time he's always busy, he's always planning, whether it's plotting against his brother like he did earlier, whether it's strategizing how to get Rachel, that girl of his dreams, or way later, whether it's wrestling with God. But the most momentous event of his life happens when Jacob is doing nothing. When all Jacob can do is receive. All he can do is listen to God. He's asleep. God has his plan for his child, Jacob, and he accomplishes it by his sovereign initiative, not through anything that that Jacob is doing. And you know what? All of the busy Jacobs today, you and me, we're invited to stop our striving and our doing, trying to make this or that happen all the time, and we're invited to just rest in God's perfect plan. For our salvation, for your ultimate security, all you need to do is receive with open hands. God has the blueprint for the whole sweep of history. And He's got the blueprint for your life today too. Every hair on your head 
is numbered, just stop, rest, listen to his word and to his spirit for you. We see second about this house that the house God builds is constructed with crooked sticks. Jacob was a crooked stick, if there ever was one in this sense. This guy had some major character flaws. I mentioned he was always busy. He was always planning. Well, that planning was more conniving. Jacob was a real stinker, to put it very nicely. He was a twin, but the second born which meant in those days that all the inheritance would go to his brother Esau, who was born just a little earlier. Now, the family Jacob grew up in was pretty dysfunctional. And what happened was he and his mother hatched a plan together to trick his brother Esau out of his inheritance. And the plan involved Jacob straight up lying to his poor, blind, elderly father. Can you imagine Esau's surprise when he went to his father for the blessing that was his and learned that Jacob stole it? That's not a good surprise. We had in our family a good sibling surprise this past week when Sarah's sister Jennifer flew in from O'Hare on Friday night and showed up at our doorstep for Sarah's birthday coming up. And she said, surprise, it was wonderful. Jacob's like, surprise, I stole your birthright, Esau. And this is the reason Jacob is alone and far from his family when he has this dream. Because he had to flee his brother who wanted to kill him. Jacob is in the line of God's promise, but we're meeting him here at a low point. He was in a bad spot. Jacob was nowhere, though he was supposed to receive the promised land. He had nothing, though he should be getting the inheritance. And he had nobody at all, though he was promised many descendants. And all of this is because of Jacob's sin, because he lied, because he deceived. These issues, these character flaws, his sin comes up later too. He showed favoritism, we're going to learn to one of his sons, Joseph. He gave this son an extravagant gift of many colors. It made all the family jealous of Joseph. So Jacob was a terrible brother. He was a terrible son. And he was a terrible father. The Bible makes it really clear. And yet, and yet, God comes to him graciously. Isn't that something else? God makes him these promises. God says that as he was with Abraham and his father Isaac, he was going to be with Jacob. Jacob, this guy who was a whole lot more than a stinker, he was a sinner, big time. But you know what? God is in the habit of working with crooked sticks like Jacob. And that's because he's full of grace. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. We're calling this series The Heroes of Faith, but the history of God's people is filled with the unworthy. A prostitute, Rahab, an outsider, Ruth, an adulterer, David, and even Jacob the deceiver. 
Our God loves to show his grace, especially to those who need it most and realize it. Some folks think of the church God builds and believe that the church is filled with perfectly together people. No. The church is filled with crooked sticks. But God builds His house with the weak things of this world. And it shows us His glory all the more because we know it's all about Him. It's not about us. It's about His grace and loving acceptance in spite of the fact that we've got warts. And you know what? It means that even if you're not feeling like any kind of hero of the faith today, it means that you too can be part of what God is building. God says, you're a sinner, but you're mine for Jesus' sake. You've made mistakes. You're going to make some more, but I choose you. I love you, and my promises are for you too. More about this house. Third, the house that God builds contains a stairway to heaven. There's this stairway that we kind of often call a ladder. It may actually have been uh, what's called a ziggurat. You can take a look at one here. (coughs) This was, I'm sorry, this was a structure in ancient Mesopotamia that people built uh, of all different backgrounds and religions to, to try to connect earth to heaven. Uh, Maybe you've seen one of those in a history book or something like that. But this stairway, whatever it looked like, I guess it could have been a ladder, um, it connected heaven and earth. What's this all about? Well, God was at the top. Angels were climbing up and down, likely signifying a bringing up to the Lord of Jacob's life and his needs and bringing down to him God's grace and love. And and what's going on is that Jacob is experiencing communion with God. Communion means fellowship, special connection. It's what the Lord's Supper is about. We experience union and fellowship with our God in a special way. Over in the book of John, John 1 verse 51, Jesus alludes to this event, to Jacob's ladder, as he's looking ahead to the very end of time, and he says this, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. And then he says this, they're ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So what does that mean? Angels descending, ascending on the Son of Man. Well, Jesus is calling himself The ladder, the stairway to heaven. He brings us into union with God. Jacob's dream is a pointer to the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises that Jesus would come to bring us into fellowship with the Father. And friends, it's only the house that God is building where you'll find this stairway to heaven. Only among God's household, do you find this relationship with God and enter heaven and have eternal life? You've heard the song, or at least you've heard the phrase, knocking on heaven's door. You know what? That's only as far 
as other religions and human constructs of faith or reason will get you. All the world's religions, all the philosophizing of man can only get you as far as knocking on heaven's door. They can't get you in. Only Jesus can. Only the seed of the woman promised in Genesis. Only by being part of the people that the Lord, through sovereign grace, started gathering and building here and continues to today. Fourth, the house that God builds evokes wonder and devotion. We read after the dream that Jacob got it. He wakes up and he says, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he goes on to set up a stone as a monument. He pours oil on it. So it's a reminder for him. It's an act of worship. And truly, when you see what God has done and what God is doing, our response, it's wonder, it's worship and adoration. All the glory to God for His salvation, for including us, for blessing us, for giving us eternal life. And the response of faith continues beyond that wonder as we devote ourselves to Him. Jacob makes a vow. He commits to give God a tenth of everything God gives him. And of course, we read as the Bible goes on of that guideline for giving for God's people, a tithe, 10% of what he gives us. We see it right here in seed form, way back here. That's one of the many ways that we devote ourselves to our God who has come to us with everything we have. God is sovereign. God takes initiative in election in working out His grace in our lives. Jesus makes the way, but we don't then do nothing. We respond. And we're invited to make a response of faith. We're invited to live the devoted life of faith. Thinking about this aspect of the house God is building here. It, it strikes me that this, in this wonder and devotion, this is how uh, Reverend Koning and, and Pat too, it's how Reverend Koning lived his life and, and how he ministered here among us. He knew the grace of God. He received those promises. And he responded with wonder and with devotion. I think of that wonder that he had at God's creation and how we all loved learning about nature through him. I think of his wonder and appreciation for beautiful worship music that Pat really shared too, and and how they glorified our God and helped us glorify our God through that. In fact, uh, the Hooker family sang, and maybe some of you remember that his very favorite hymn this morning, right? Precious Lord, take my... You did that one, right? Precious Lord, take my hand. It was Reverend Koning's... Uh, favorite and very providential that God led you to do that one on this particular day. And he, he had this wonder and worship of our God. And, and, and he had a devotion to God in his life. And, and I feel in that, that balanced life of faith that he led, so steady 
in his responsibilities uh, and calling to his family as well as his church. All by God's grace, may God's building project inspire wonder and devotion, uh, not only in Jacob and Reverend Koning and others who's gone before, but in you and in me today as we live the life of faith in response to what God has done. One more thought this morning. The house that God's build, that God builds, is going to fill the earth to bless the nations as things move forward. Because we got this Bethel. Where, where is Bethel now? Where is the house of God now? Not just in that little spot in ancient Israel. After Jesus died and he rose again, opening wide that gateway to heaven, God sent the Holy Spirit who would empower God's people, the church, to go to the nations, even a place like India and far beyond, so that what ancient Israel failed to do would happen. That all the people on earth would be blessed. In Jesus, that promise God made is fulfilled. And we should view the entire world as a Bethel in which we serve our God. Since we have the Spirit in us, we may serve the Lord anywhere on earth, in every area of our life. We're celebrating communion today. This is World Communion Sunday. It's been called that for many, many years. Churches in many places are partaking of the Lord's Supper. What a reminder for us that God's people are everywhere. God's house truly is filling the earth. And God's people are called to be part of God's great building project, calling people home, home to Jesus. That's our mission until the end of time when Satan and all who aren't part of God's house are once and for all sent to everlasting destruction. But in that day, all who have given their life to Jesus will dwell in the house of the Lord forever in the new heavens and the new earth. And, and friends, brothers, sisters, your life, your life is part of this big picture. You know that? Your life is part of this big sweeping plan of the Lord. And you wonder sometimes, how can that be? How is God using me? I'm very small. I'm inadequate. I'm a crooked stick. I've messed up in my life. Well, maybe, maybe think of, of one of those those jigsaw puzzles. You know what I'm talking about? All the little pieces. Every single one of those pieces looks a little odd and looks crooked, doesn't it? Like, how in the world can this one fit? Every one of those little pieces, I feel like that's kind of like you and me. But they all come together to make the beautiful picture that the Maker intended. My prayer as your pastor is that we would all be discovering our place in God's beautiful plan, even right here at this house, faith.